here's the thing. We're a team of thieves. And when you do this, you're bound to make enemies. Sometimes those enemies come looking for revenge. Truth be told, we helped the wrong person steal the wrong thing. We didn't mean to unleash the greatest evil the world has ever known. But we're gonna fix it. So how do we pull that off? Uh... Figure it out over a drink? Probably best. You need to... Then give us a fighting chance. We're gonna need strength. You got this, right? I know you don't. We also need courage, magic, and you. What is that again? It's an owl there. Let's go. Be warned. There is evil here. I'm glad he's on our side. This one's dangerous. But whatever happens... We'll be ready. exactly that you bring to this i'm a planner i make plans you've already made the plan so if the existing plan fails i make a new plan so you make plans that fail no he also plays the loot not relevant welcome to the strange harbors podcast a weekly discussion of film television and pop culture my name is jeff zhang and tonight i'm joined by amir Touré and eric wong so this week we are talking about the new fantasy comedy dungeons and dragons honor among thieves the movie is directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, the team behind the 2018 hit Game Night, which, if you can recall, made Derek's top 25 of the decade, 2010 to 2019, was a few years back. So, Derek, you must have been excited. Still one of the most underrated, I think, comedies in the last 10 years. Sad to say that. But yes, I was very excited for this, knowing who the directors were. <laughs> yeah, so this one stars Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Reggae John Page, Hugh Grant, Sophia Lillis, and Justice Smith. It is, of course, based upon the renowned tabletop role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons. So, do you guys have any experience with Dungeons & Dragons? Have you guys ever played? Uh, yeah, I actually have. Do you like it? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, I get why people like it. I've got some family members who play. Um, I've got a bunch of friends who play. I haven't played in years, but I've definitely played it. It's fun. I get the appeal. Yeah. And it's had like a, a real renaissance in popularity in the last few years. I don't know if it's like Stranger Things or like the combination of the rise of streaming. There's a lot of people who watch other people play D&D online and it's become like a big industry. Like those live D&D shows have become a huge deal. Yeah. And you got celebrity endorsers like Joe Manganiello and like yeah, yeah, Vin yeah. Diesel says Vin he Diesel likes those plays. Lines, you know? Dude, yeah. tons and tons of celebrities play. It's become very popular these days. Yeah, Joe Manganiello is huge on D&D. Yeah. He got like one of those uh, table makers, like the professional role-playing mm -hmm. table makers to make a table for him. 
It was like a whole thing on YouTube where like they installed it in his house and it's made of this polished wood. It's super nice. It's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, he famously has like a D&D night with like a bunch of celebrities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so me, myself, I have played D&D before. I've only played a couple times. I had a very long phase of my life where I was like, a big tabletop board game player. I love mm. Settlers, Zombicide, love playing Pandemic, Pandemic Legacy had a arkham horror phase wow i do love playing board games and like tabletop board games but i could never get into DD. i like the idea i think i understand the concept and i appreciate the concept it's pretty cool to like come together with your friends and like you all play a role and you all play a part defeat this dungeon i think the idea is really cool but just the times i've played it i just didn't quite enjoy myself i still have friends that like love to play it they play it all the time and I think with the pandemic, virtual D&D has become a thing now, mm. too. Like, they continued their group virtually. So, yeah, I know of the property, but when it comes to any kind of reference to the game, when it came to watching this movie, I was probably a little bit lost. And the thing's going over my head. Yeah, I don't think you need to know anything about the lore, like the D&D lore, except mm -hmm. for, like, you know, nice little Easter eggs that you can pick up on if you're familiar. No, it's perfectly accessible if you don't know anything yeah, about D&D. Yeah, it's super Absolutely. accessible. Absolutely. I'm definitely not, like, deep enough into D&D to have caught all the references uh, at all. I, I don't think the movie suffered in any way for that. Wow, I guess I'm the only one who's never played D&D. <laughs> I've actually never played. I think there's just too many variables. Like, first of all, it's a time commitment because it is, you gotta yeah. run a campaign. And it's not like one night you go from beginning to end. It's like multiple... I mean, it's a thing you set up and do regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. A little like podcasting. You, you do it every week. You set aside a time commitment. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think the logistics of getting people together is probably one of the most difficult things and getting like a committed group. Everybody's able to do it. And I think that, again, the rise of all of this Zoom technology and stuff has led to people doing a lot of this stuff virtually. And I think that makes it a lot easier. But yeah, you still have to have the committed group. Yeah, and I think it depends on... The dungeon master, too, the game master. Yeah. You can have a pretty bad experience if you're like a bad <laughs> DM, you know? Mm -hmm. But I mean, I have a little bit of exposure to it just from the video games based on Dungeons and Dragons, like Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights. I've played those. That's where I was going to go next, yeah. Baldur's Gate, too. I got those references from knowing those computer games, not from yeah, DD itself. Did you play any of those games, Derek? No, I didn't. The closest thing, I mean, I might have played that similar is what Elder Scrolls, right? The whole fantasy RPG kind of thing. But I've never played officially like Baldur's Gate or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it was the biggest swing for this movie to go from something that looked like complete dog shit. I thought the trailers were god awful to murmurs of it being quite good and then being cautiously optimistic because it's from the team of Game Night. And then actually going into the movie, I was like, oh, this is actually really fun. It's really good, actually. Like, a pretty mm -hmm. well-made movie. My crowd sucked ass. I gotta find new crowds when I go to these movies. Because, <laughs> like, I want that communal experience of, like, people laughing during a comedy or, like, people hooting and hollering during an action movie like John Wick, you know? But, like, I've just been missing that the last couple of times that I've been. And, like, it was a big crowd, too. So, I don't know what's wrong with people. Like, a big New York City... 7 15 p.m crowd should have been like really rowdy but like fucking nothing crickets do you guys hear that 7 15 crowd do better <laughs> be yeah better. seriously i'm surprised it's not like a matinee or something like 7 no is a decent time and it was like the first week it opened too so i was surprised by how weak the crowd was because this movie was funny what'd you guys think of your theatrical experience or like when you went to go see it 
How was well, that I mean, for you? My guys? crowd was meh. I kind of went to like an early afternoon while yeah, uh, yeah, showing yeah. over the weekend. The crowd was like nothing special, but Always I still had a quieter. good time. I agree with you. This was uh, a pleasant surprise. Although, I didn't think it looked bad. I always had this kind of feeling in the back of my mind that this looked kind of like it would be fun. Glad to be proven right. Uh, I thought I would enjoy this, and I did. This was fun. Well, the trailer included all of like the worst-looking VFX stuff, when <laughs> yeah. a lot of the movie is actually like practical, and there's a lot of care that went into making things look quite good and realistic. A lot of practical effects in this one. I really, really like that. What about you, Derek? Yeah, so just speaking to my theater and my crowd, I had a pretty decent-sized crowd. I went to like an afternoon matinee, but surprisingly, a lot more people there than I thought would be there. Mm. But kind of the same experience as you, Jeff. People weren't... I've had the two for two also. The last two movies were like... Yeah. I've had a decent-sized crowd, but not into it. Like, I was laughing. I was not trying to laugh too loud because or else like everyone would hear me. Um, yeah, right? You're like self-conscious about yeah, that shit. Yeah, a little self-conscious because like not everyone was like laughing and... I mean, like, when I laughed, I could hear, like, a couple other people chuckling, too. So, like, there were definitely some people that were into it. And I agree. I thought this movie was very funny. My favorite thing about this movie is that it's essentially a comedy wearing the, you know, pun intended, the armor of a D&D IP movie, right? Mm-hmm. Through and through, it really is a comedy. It has jokes constantly strewn throughout it. And I actually really enjoyed a lot of the set pieces and setting up of some of the jokes and... I thought it was really funny and a really fun time. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah. And this is kind of like a different kind of fun than like last week we had like John Wick, right? That's also like, you know, an action thriller that's just balls to the wall. Yeah. In a very different way, this was just as fun. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, this one is lighter than John Wick. I feel like you come out of John Wick and you're like exhausted, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to sound like down on this movie or anything, but I think it is a little overhyped. People coming out like, oh, this is the next best thing. It's fine. I had a lot of fun with it. You know what? This is like the perfect movie when it's on TNT. You put it on the background Mm -hmm. and you do something else. That's the type of movie this is. And it's like a really, really good one of those, you know? Yeah. And with a bunch of other IP stuff out, I think it just stands out as like something that's really well made by people who care. Acting is great. Everyone fits their role perfectly, the jokes land, the action is great, the plot's a little predictable, but who cares, you know? Like, sometimes you just want something that's light and digestible, and this totally was it. If we're talking about critiques, I mean, I echo your sentiments. I don't think this is the best movie I've seen this year. Yeah. I think you're right. The plot is pretty predictable. And honestly, I think some of the characters are like not well flushed out at all. I think some of the character arts just uh, leave a little bit to be wanted. Overall, like I can kind of forgive some of those things because I feel like I know what they were reaching for. And I, in most parts, it was pretty successful. Yeah. Amir, were you going to say something? Yeah, I agree with general sentiment. I uh, quite enjoyed it. There were bits that were thin that didn't really matter so much. I think it was good. But like Jeff, your list of reasons it was good was just like, oh, like all the things they put into it were good. Good director, good cast. Just like they made a quality movie. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds stupid, but like that doesn't sound that hard. So like, why was it so hard to make a good D and D movie? Because they've tried before. Yeah, have you guys seen that two thousands movie? That's nineties. I thought it was two thousands. Uh, it's exactly two thousand. Exactly two thousand. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're right. It's at the turn, but it's exactly right at two thousand. Yeah. I don't think there's been that many attempts at making one of these, right? I suppose that's um, true. It's not like they've tried over and over again, but it's the kind of thing that. I don't know. You immediately assume it's going to be bad. I don't know if it's because 
the games in general are hard to adapt or because they've tried before and it's failed, but it's not the kind of thing that inspired a lot of confidence. And after seeing the result, like, I don't see why. It doesn't seem like this should have been that hard to pull off. It was good, but it's not like you go, oh, wow, this is like a transcendent example of the genre and this is like a once in a lifetime thing. It's like, I feel like you could crank out a whole bunch of these and they'd be fun. And like, you wouldn't even need like this exact cast. Sub in another charismatic sort of funny guy for Chris Pine. You can sub in another like sort of action star for Michelle Rodriguez and so on down the line, right? Like it seems like a pretty easy sounds weird, but like a kind of an easy thing to do. And it's just like they hit the nail on the head with this. And it's like, I wonder why it hasn't come together sooner. You know what it is? It's like Sakuda's logic where it answers its own question, but it's not overly ambitious in what it's trying to do. And that's why it's so easy to digest and so good, you know, because you could easily try really, really hard and make this like a new keystone for the studio or whatever and make it like this giant epic and make it super serious. But this is like a super fleet movie about a bunch of rogues trying to steal some thing and like it's Chris Pine being Chris Pine and it's just really easy to watch, you know, without trying to set up like a whole thing or like cinematic universe, which is like all the rage right now. It doesn't shoot high, but it hits the target. Yeah, I get that. Okay, contrast it, say, to like John Wick 4, which absolutely shoots high and yeah. is like the exemplar of what you want to do in the genre. In some ways, there are parts of it that you just go, oh, this is some of the best action filmmaking I've seen. Like, this isn't that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was still a blast, like still a very good time. You don't need to be John Wick 4 for me to have a good time, and this was fun. Yeah. Is Chris Pine the best Chris? <laughs> um, uh, I would say yes. I think overall I enjoy his roles. Yeah, I do too. I enjoy his charisma. Out of all the Chris's, I think does have the most charisma. He won me over with this character of Edgar. Yeah. I think he is just so quippy, so funny, so endearing i just get completely drawn in by this character even though deep down he's he's kind of an asshole right he slights his daughter a little bit part of his journey is figuring out that he should let his wife go right um mm. that's part of his character he's set up as a liar and a person that just tried to snake his way out of situations early in this movie and like that's part yeah, of his and he's journey. selfish and he's selfish you know that's part of his journey for this movie is to become less that right but even so like i loved his character throughout the whole movie like i was really into this cast of characters specifically um the chris pine character yeah he's good it's very like effortlessly charismatic i think yeah where i actually think the other chris chris pratt they're definitely trying to force him down our throats in these Chris Pine like and put roles. him into like a yeah the leading man yeah mm -hmm. where he doesn't really slot in but Chris Pine just effortlessly gets into these roles and quite often the best part of the movies that he's in where Chris Pratt is sometimes not <laughs> where does Chris Pratt fit then because I think I get the distinction you're going for but like what defines the good Chris Pratt leading man role I think Star-Lord is pretty good for Chris Pratt. Yeah, I agree. Specifically that first Guardians, I think he's really good in. Yeah. I think his role as Star-Lord has been a little bit diminishing returns for me. Like, I think I've gotten a little bit more annoyed at that role as it's gone mm -hmm. on. Uh, I'm curious to see if it, he's given a little bit more depth and a little bit more to do in number three. But yeah, we'll, we'll see where that character goes. What was the movie 
where he like travels to the future or the past or whatever for Amazon. Yeah, like Tomorrow War. Yeah, that didn't work for me. Don't particularly think he's great in like the Jurassic World series. I think he's just like, okay. It's a good question of where he slots in. So it's funny, all of these movies where he's bad, it would easily be made better if Chris Pine was in those roles. (laughs) (laughs) Like the Tomorrow War, much better if Chris Pine was in that. The Terminalist, that spy thriller... Dude, he cannot play serious at all. I just can't take that guy seriously, Chris Pratt. Yeah. That's such a like a dour role. It does not fit him at all. Where I think Chris Pine can do both. Because he also had that Amazon movie, The Contractor, which mm-hmm. wasn't like amazing either, but he's more believable as like an action hero than mm-hmm. a serious action hero, no nonsense kind of guy than Chris Pratt is. You know what I mean? Has Chris Pine done a Marvel movie? No, but he's been in the okay, Star best Trek Chris. movies. <laughs> By default, he has not been in a Marvel movie, so he's the best Chris. Are you saying Marvel or MCU? There's a difference. Marvel, I guess. Has he been in a non-MCU He was Spider-Man, movie? wasn't he? Yeah, voice acting, though. He was voice acting? So Wait, in what? In what was he? Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. Oh, he that's was, uh, right. Spider-Man that died in the beginning, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. So, no, he does not come out unblemished. Um, no. <laughs> I was going to group together the three Marvel Chrises, mm-hmm. like, like Pratt, Evans, and Hemsworth, but um, I guess they're all sort of Marvel Chrises, all of them. Chris Pine was in Wonder Woman 1984, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not exactly only making good choices here. What do you guys think of Hemsworth and Evans? I actually am a fan of Chris Evans. He has that kind of same charisma that I enjoy about Chris Pine. This is a weird conversation that we've delved into, like <laughs> ranking the, the Chrises. Chris. <laughs> I would probably put him second to Chris Pine. Really? Yeah. Huh, okay. Uh, I don't know if I'd put Chris Evans second. I certainly like him, but he needs a new agent, man. <laughs> his movies lately have been no bueno. You're not looking forward to his third movie with Ana de Armas coming out soon? Wow. That movie looks like a fake fucking movie. That does not look like a real movie. <laughs> That's so funny. Also, he was in The Gray Man. The Gray Man sucked ass. It was terrible. Yeah, very sad. All right, well, I think we spent enough time on the Chris's and Chris Pine. Let's move on to some of the other cast members. I mean, I think this is Michelle Rodriguez's best role we've seen in a long time. I think she's given way more to do and, like, more of a character than she ever is in the Fast movies. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed her role in this. I liked her a lot. So what's great about this movie is that a lot of these actors aren't the most versatile or flexible in terms of their range, but... The directors or whoever the screenwriters were, they knew their limitations and they casted them perfectly. So I think Michelle Rodriguez as this no-nonsense kind of barbarian character is quite good. She's better in this than she's been in anything else Yeah, I've seen her in. And I think Reggae Jean Page is a little limited too. And to make him like this humorless paladin character is really, really funny. And like it plays to that stoic strength that he has, you know? Also in The Gray Man. Yeah, also in The Gray Man. Terrible in The Gray Man. Jesus Christ. I will say that he was probably my least favorite character in this movie. Mm. Oh, see, I liked him. I liked the kind of... It reminds me a lot of Drax. Drax yeah, and like very the first similar Guardian. Bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the inability to comprehend irony and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's a little borrowed from yeah. Drax, Guardian of the Galaxy, but I, it's I, fine. I'll admit, I think Dave Bautista does it better, so... <laughs> I don't disagree with you, but I think he's funny in this, and I don't actually know him from that much. He's also from Bridgerton, right? 
Yeah, yeah that's yeah. his big break. That's the and big kind of thing, yeah. I feel like this was a four-quadrant movie. There's like the Netflix guy, and then there's like Justice Smith and Sophia Lillis, the millennials love. And then you mm. got people that recognize Chris what? Pine, Michelle Rodriguez. Back up, Sophia Lillis and Justice Smith are supposed to be millennial draws? Well, Justice Smith is the main from Detective Pikachu, and that, what was that HBO show that he was on for like a hot second for like two seasons? Oh, uh... Generation, Generation. Oh, it was generation. like that HBO okay. show. I'll be honest, that's more Gen Z than millennial. That's exactly I feel. what I was going to say, is I think they're both more Gen yeah. Z. Like, he's 27, so like maybe he's like a younger millennial, but she's 21, and she hasn't done all that much that I know of. So like, like if she does have a fan base, it's certainly not the millennials. Oh, you're right. You're right. I was thinking of Gen Z, but I said millennial. <laughs> okay, then it's way yeah, yeah, more yeah. sense, because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are right. Because, uh, yeah, I'm too old to know people. Yeah. Okay. Sophia Lillis was like the big lead in It, right? The female lead in It, in the child group, I guess. Yeah. That's where a lot of people know her from. So yeah, I felt like they were trying to round out the cast. Anyone can come and be attached to one of these characters. Yeah. And then Hugh Grant. Yeah. And Hugh Grant. Playing the same character in like the sixth straight movie. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Paddington 2, The Gentleman, Operation Fortune, and then this, they're like all the same character. Slimy. Slimy, showboaty kind of character. Okay, well, I mean, we talked about the cast. What did you guys think of the story overall? Like, was there any beats or, like, set pieces that you guys really enjoyed? Yeah. So, I mean, we should just give a brief synopsis of the movie. Mm-hmm. This movie is basically about a pair of thieves, Edgin and Holga, played by Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez, respectively, who go on a journey to retrieve something called the Tablet of Reawakening to revive Edgin's dead wife. And Edgin is a disgraced former agent of a group of peacekeepers called the Harpers. So I guess this is all D&D stuff that I'm not super familiar with, but the movie makes it pretty clear what all these factions and, like, items are. So, like, you don't need to know anything about D&D to enjoy this movie, which is pretty good, pretty accessible. So he's this disgraced former agent of the Harpers who turned to a life of, I guess, thievery after his wife is murdered by a red wizard's blade. And the Red Wizards of Thay are, like, the primary antagonists of the movie, who are in league with Hugh Grant's Forge Fitzwilliam, who is the rogue that was part of Edgin's team that betrays them. And he essentially sends Edgin and Holga to prison, and I guess, quote-unquote, adopts Edgin's daughter, Kira. So the whole movie is pretty low stakes. I guess the Red Wizards of Thay get, like, you know, the whole turning a city into, like, the undead kind of thing as, like, the main threat. But mm-hmm. mostly it's about Egan and Holga trying to rescue Kira and get this tablet to revive his dead wife. So that's basically the plot of the movie. Yeah, a bunch of great set pieces in this movie. More practical effects than I thought there was going to be. Yeah. So my favorite sequence of the movie is probably the graveyard stuff. Yeah, uh, where they're questioning the dead bodies. It's so funny and well written. And they dig up all the dead bodies and they're like zombies. Uh, Simon, he has like this little trinket that revives the dead and you can ask them five questions and then they die again forever. There's this whole gag where they question a dead body and they use up all their questions without asking them anything, which is really funny. Yeah. I love that gag. Once the dead man is revived, we can ask him five questions, at which point he will die again, never to be re-revived. Were you killed in the Battle of the Everhorse? Yes. Four more questions, right? Yes. No, 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 that, w- that wasn't for you. Did that count as a question? Yes. Damn it. 
only answer when I talk to you, okay? Yes. Why did you say okay at the end of that? I didn't. Fantastic. Where's the shovel? That was like one of the first clips I saw of the movie in like trailer form. I was like, all right, I'm kind of on board with this now. But that's only like a small part of that whole sequence where they go from body to body. It's really, really funny. And then like all the zombies are practical, really good makeup effects on that. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Talking about practical, it goes beyond just props and like set pieces. Some of the costumes are really cool, right? There's like this cat lady costume that's nicely put together. The Jarnathan character, this giant yeah. like, eagle, Birdman, which, yeah. a Birdman, which looks really cool, and it's completely practical. Like I really, really appreciated all the kind of practical effects that they try to put into this movie. I mean, one of my favorite set pieces is them trying to like. <laughs> there's like MacGuffin on top of MacGuffin on top of MacGuffin on top of MacGuffin in this movie, which is one of my critiques. But who cares? Uh-huh. One of the objects that they grab is this teleport staff. Yeah. My best description is it's a portal staff. If you ever played the game Portal, you create one portal and then you create a second portal so that you can go through the first one to get to the second one, right? I already know you're going to try and explain this portal heist. You're never going to be able to do it. Yeah, right? (laughs) You just have to fucking see this portal heist. It's really, really cool. Cool. One of the coolest shots is when she goes through this portal and the camera tilts. Yeah. Going into like a moving carriage. It's really, really cool. Yeah. I saw behind the scenes where it's practical. Yeah, they shot it practical. Yeah, it's, it's really like cool. It's so cool. It's all that kind of like love and care that I think they put into this movie that you can definitely see on the screen that resonates with me and like makes me like this movie even more, right? Yeah, there's some green screen, but a lot of physical locations too. A lot of the towns look like real places. I know they built those places. Marvel and Disney eat your heart out where everything's fucking green screen and CG backgrounds, the volume, you know? Uh, a lot of actual real life locations here that they used and sets that they built so it looks great the movie looks good i mean i know like a lot of the last set piece has a lot of cg in it but i honestly it wasn't that bad it wasn't that distracting i still found it really really fun my other really favorite scene is when they first trying to sneak into the castle at the end of the movie justice smith is using like this duplicate stone or whatever to project chris pine like singing because he's a bard yeah like he can't hold the image so like it's chris pine he starts melting it's it's so funny funny. it's so funny that was really really funny to me yeah Uh, it's that kind of sickly humor that i really laugh out loud at amir what about you what set pieces did you um i think you guys got the good stuff the portal gun i really like because it's funny in the movie but it's also diegetically like in the universe of the film it's a really fun clever way to like solve problems has a lot of neat applications it's very D D. Yeah. what is it called it's called like the hither tither staff yeah, or the whatever hither, hither. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> hither thither hither thither, thither? okay yeah. <laughs> i think it's hither thither i think that was a really fun bit i think it kind of like gets to the fun of D, thinking up creative ways to use the tools you're given to solve these, these problems. Mm-hmm. I did like Simon's little arc and the way all of that kind of came together. I thought that was cool. Yeah. That's actually one of the ones that I thought was one of the weaker arcs in the movie. It's the idea that he's just been holding himself back the whole time. That's the idea, right? He just needed to be come to that realization that he's just been holding himself back. Yeah. So Justice Smith is Simon. He's like the sorcerer. And he's a bad sorcerer. He's a bad wizard. He's not very good at casting spells and stuff. This whole thing revolves around getting this artifact called the Helm of Disjunction, which they need to use to break into the vault, Forge's vault. He needs to, like, 
attune with this magic item. So it's like this whole self-discovery arc. You didn't like it, Derek? You thought it was pretty predictable? Not that it was just predictable. Like I just felt it was the movie and like Chris Pine is trying to set up that this guy needs to get out of his own way. But then for it to literally be like he puts on a helm, the image of the old guy morphs into him. I thought it was just really on the nose and it felt a little rushed. I don't know. I, I think there could have been a little bit more than just putting on a helm. But I get it. There's a lot to do in this movie, right? Four main characters in this band and like th- there's a lot to go through each of them and He's not really a lead, so like I, I kind of forgive it. That's like a typical believe in yourself yeah. realization type thing. Well, that didn't bother me that much. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, all the arcs are predictable, but it's fine. Yeah, like, it's, it's that kind of movie. Like I don't know, I, I, it didn't bother me. I, I liked it, and I also liked how it manifested in them beating the villain at the end. He masters the counter to the thing that she used to fuck them up earlier in the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, beats her with it. So I thought that was cool. I do kind of wish he got to keep the helm because it made him look like Magneto. I thought that was actually kind of cool. (laughs) (laughs) I wish he kept it. But uh, that's just a small detail. I do think the last set piece was pretty clever. Like, I think everyone got a part to play in it. Justice Smith, Sylvia Lillis' character, not really, like, downplayed at all. Like, they're in in the action and pitiful parts to the end sequence. Even the daughter that I feel like is kind of neglected for most of the movie. Like, yeah. the Kira character even gets a moment to shine at the yeah, end. Yeah, it was nice. It was all really nice, yeah. So, one of the other sequences that I really liked was Sophia Lillis' druid character, where she escapes from the castle. Yeah. Where she turns mm-hmm. into all mm-hmm. these animals. It was great. Oh, that's one really of the good action sequences, in the movie. yeah. yeah. She turns into a deer. A mouse, a fly, uh, what else? A uh, bird, a whole bunch of different things. Really, really cool. And it really shows you like what she can do, right? She can turn into this animal, but then can she turn into like a bug? It's an action sequence that really tells you a lot about this character too, I thought. So I thought that was really nice. Yeah. I like that Holga was like, you should turn into a deer to infiltrate the castle. Yeah. And then Egan's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why would you turn into a deer? And then she finally does turn into a deer to escape. And then Holga's like, see? A deer. Which I thought <laughs> yeah. was really funny. It, it was, was a cute funny. little joke. Yeah. Holga had some nice moments uh, with her ex-husband. Big cameo of the movie. Dude. All right. So my audience actually fucking laughed at the cameo. Okay. This is the craziest fucking cameo. Like, who expected that, right? Yeah. That was cool. <laughs> I laughed really hard because it's fucking Bradley Cooper as Holga's halfling ex-husband, which is so funny. First of all, he's tiny because he's like a halfling. And then Holga's like this barbarian and she's huge. And then his new partner, his new, I guess, wife. Is it a new wife? or Yeah, I think I don't know fiance, what it is. Yeah. Wife his fiance, fiance say, is yeah. also like just like Holga, which yeah. is funny. It's yeah, really funny. funny. He's got a type. It's, it's very funny. I freaking love Bradley Cooper. I think he can come and do these small roles. A little thankless, right? He's like just a small cameo. But like he plays this so sincere. He plays this so seriously. Like, of course, when you first see it, you're like, oh, shit, that's Bradley Cooper. But then you, I don't know, the distraction of being Bradley Cooper quickly went away. And I was like, oh, this is like a nice little role for him. I like, (laughs) I I really like this. It never went away for me because I was like, holy shit, that's Bradley Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really liked it. Props to Bradley Cooper for doing this because. I think it's easy for him to just be like, oh, I'm serious filmmaker, actor right now, being like Oscar nominated, doing like A Star is Born, and then now he's in the Leonard Bernstein movie. Yeah. Lots of serious stuff going on in his career, but to have this little throwaway five-minute role as a silly Dungeons & Dragons character in this movie is, you know what, good for him. I like that. Yeah. Actually, speaking of her arc... Did you guys like the ending? Did it work for you? Like the surrogate mother? Like she essentially is the mother of Kira. So, okay. To explain what happens, you know, the last battles against the red sorceress, red witch, red, I can't remember what they're called. 
but Sofina, right? Mm-hmm. They're in the middle of the battle and like they defeat her, but they find out that Michelle Rodriguez's Holga is mortally wounded and she does die. One of the big plot points of this movie was trying to get this tablet of reawakening so that Chris Pine can use it to revive his wife, Kira's actual mother. But by the end of the movie, like part of his character is about letting go of that desire and that in a way means more to Kira to revive Holga, which is kind of basically her real mother, right? The person that's been there for her whole life and raising her. It worked for me. It was really sappy. It was really corny and like really tropey, but it still really worked for me. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. I mean, it's the logical conclusion of the arc. Yeah. I mean, I knew where this was going like 10 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Oh, really? As okay. soon as they like said Tablet of Reawakening, I was like, they're definitely not using it on his wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be oh, someone. Yeah. They're definitely going to yeah. use it on someone One else. Of them's like, be, yeah. Especially with that whole dragonfly thread. Mm-hmm. And then Reggae John Page's paladin character being like, you know, if you revive your wife, you're taking her away from whatever afterlife happiness that she has. And um, you're just pulling her from one plane to another. And, you know, everything's like telegraph. It's telegraphed and it's predictable and it's tropey and it's cliche. But it's fine. It works for me. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a reason why that's like a trope. And it worked for me. It was fine. I liked it. So, I don't know. One of my questions to you guys is... I think unadoubtedly, it looks like it's going to be successful. It looks like a lot of people like this movie. It is a lot of fun. Inevitably, I think there will probably be a sequel. And kind of to what, Amir, we were talking about earlier, like, do we want to see this cast back again? Or is this an opportunity to be like, hey, this is Dungeons and Dragons. Let's like a whole new cast of characters or just take some people out, add some people to this cast. I mean, do you guys even want a sequel? I guess is my question. Oh, this was fun enough. I'll take a sequel. I Mm -hmm. think that take a risk in changing the cast. So uh, I'd be surprised if they did it. (laughs) Yeah, I would be surprised. And this one did work. So like, I would also be wary of them doing it, right? Because they managed to make a hit. Would they be able to do it again if they completely switched the cast up? Uh, You know, that's less likely, right? You're going to strike this lightning, going to strike twice. So Maybe you yeah. stick with the cast you've got. They've got chemistry already. They've got a proven track record with this one movie. Let them ride it out. Do a couple more of these, see how they go, and then maybe do, you know, a D&D movie with a new cast. I, I do totally get what you're saying. Like, hey, make it like an anthology thing. Make it new casts. You know, every movie or every couple of movies or I don't know. Yeah, because in the spirit of D&D, like, you could play a whole new campaign and be a whole new character. Absolutely. Right? Like, you don't have to keep the same character every time you play a new campaign. So, like, it would maybe – lend to the lore of the idea of D&D, but also like this is a, a money thing, right? Like this is a marketing thing. Like it would be hard to market a whole new Dungeons and Dragons that was successful. Why wouldn't you bring back the people that, you know, people liked and want to see again? I mean, I was asking my question kind of facetiously. I feel like I knew the answer anyway. You know, I would be down to totally see these cast characters again. Like I think it was super fun. I think there's plot threads that are kind of left a little open so that it could potentially develop, you know, like especially between the Dork and Simon character. They left the door open that I would totally want to see these characters again. Yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff you can do with the D&D universe and you've only explored like a fraction of the lore and what makes the world so cool. So, I mean, there's so many things you can do. I'd bring them back and do like another movie. I mean, all right. I mean, let's not get carried away because this movie did cost $150 million mm. and it's done like what's 70 plus so far like it's been not even a week so it's doing pretty well but i wouldn't call it like a smash hit just yet it's tracking higher than expected for sure i think people were really expecting this one to fizzle and bomb 
but it did okay. It's doing pretty good. Hopefully it has legs. Yeah, you might watch another one of these. Sure. You know, fun. one thing I'm glad they didn't do is like have the actual actors playing the game. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would have killed the momentum. No. That no, would have been no. like something so easy for them to do as like a gag. Too many fucking they layers. Didn't do it. Yeah. yeah, too many fucking layers. I wouldn't have liked that. I thought that would have just killed the momentum of the movie. So I'm glad they didn't do that. One thing I maybe I totally missed, and you guys can tell me if I missed, but and maybe it's too cheesy or too like on the nose to do this. Was there any reference to a 20 sided die? Uh. Not that I can remember. I don't know if it's like too on the nose to do that, but that was like the one reference I thought. That's like extra diegetic to... though, right? Like that's kind of – the references yeah. were all to things in the game, but they exist in the world, right? So like, yeah, that's you know, true. Yeah, the that's spells true. and the creatures. If they did that again, it would have been getting a little too meta. Yeah. Or like even if it's just the MacGuffin looks like a 20-sided die. You know what I mean? Like it didn't have to be like An actual Like 20-sided die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just yeah. don't know if I didn't catch anything that I like totally missed, right? Yeah. But it sounds like we all really enjoyed the movie. It's a really fun time. I mean, I would highly recommend this to anybody. Like, I think anyone can come in this and just have a fun time watching this movie. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to add? No, I mean, I just prefer something like this where it's lighthearted and fun versus, you know, trying to create a whole new franchise with, like, deadly serious story. I don't know. I think this is one of the better adaptations. I can't say it's like a video game adaptation because it's not, but, like... The best way to do something like this is to not rely too much on the source material, like make your own story. I think most successful adaptations and like even like video game adaptations have done their own thing. Recently, Last of Us, right? The Last of Us, yeah. No, I mean, I was going to say, like, I think one of our critiques, and even one of my critiques, that I think at times it's stuck to the game a little too much and, like, to maybe yeah. its own detriment. Yeah. Even I can admit, I think something like The Last of Us did have moments where like, it pulled straight from the game and it was, like, amazing. But then there are times where, like, I even thought maybe you should have elaborated more than the video game or maybe like, cut this out, even though, like, I know it's, like, a big moment in the video game. I think this is the opposite of that spectrum, though. Like, I mean, we don't know. Like, maybe this is based on one of the campaigns, but it doesn't feel like it's based on a campaign that I had to, like, stick so straight to it. It felt like it was just a fun story within this world of D&D, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you're making good points about adaptations actually having to be adaptations and not slavishly adapting things. Mm-hmm. And I think D&D gives you a huge freedom to really kind of yeah. do anything, right? So yeah, um, they've got a lot of flexibility. Hopefully, they go somewhere cool with it if they do another one of these. Yeah, and some of the best Last of Us stuff was the divergences from the game, right? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. And then speaking of another adaptation that was really good based on like lore that's just kind of nonsense and they actually made something really cool out of it was uh, Netflix's Arcane. The, that's right, yeah. The League of Legends show. I'm like, League of Legends show? This is going to be ass. It doesn't even have lore. And that's what's great about it. They made something like cohesive and really compelling out of something that was just background noise for a MOBA game. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And they yeah. pulled something out of thin air and they crafted a great story out of it. And this is just a nice little fleet story, self-contained. It's great. It's a fun little movie. I enjoyed it. It's not going to win any Oscars, but... Hey, maybe makeup. No. <laughs> maybe makeup. I don't or know. Costumes. I Justice guess. for Jonathan. Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even a good gag at the end there. Yeah. It was a good gag in the beginning and a good gag in the end. Yeah. I really like that gag. I think Justice for Jonathan will be uh, the last thing we'll end with. Um, 
Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You can find me uh, forcing Jeff to try out D&D. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Derek? Uh, you can find me at the World's Okayest Photos and Screen Asians Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our show is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions about our episode on Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, feel free to shoot us an email. We like getting listener mail, and sometimes we read it out on the pod. So feel free to do that, and we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.